It's good to be here this morning. Um, this is a really, really exciting series that I think that we're diving into. We'll see how this mic goes. If I have to switch, I'll switch. Okay? We'll see if it's clear, if it's not clear. We want you to be able to hear. Amen? Um, <clears throat> but this series that we're kicking off, and we're going to have a couple in-house and so, a lot of guests, and it'll be kind of cool to see how you watch and see how God... Um, uses everybody, right? Same, same theme, but different way of bringing it. It's going to be really exciting to see that. Um, it was really, um, it's been a good week really preparing for this. Um, so a little bit about my journey, maybe some of you know, maybe you don't know. I was really kind of set back last week when I thought that in two more months will be my 40th anniversary. Of what? of Christ in me. Can anybody say amen? amen? 40 years, which is just so hard to believe that um, it's been that long. So I'm coming up on that, which kind of caused me to reflect, right, on what those 40 years have looked like. Um, and I have to say, one of the things that was sung in that song is, is true. I could give you some stories, right, like we all could of journeys, of difficulties, of setbacks, of disappointments, frustration, anger, right? And you said, man alive, I thought I was going to be encouraged today by you, Jeff. In the midst of that, I would stand here and say wholeheartedly that God has been good. Can anybody say amen? amen. Never has let us down. He's been faithful to me and my family. And so over those 40 years, God really has really hopefully done this. And you know, the whole goal of the Christian lifestyle is to be transformed more into Jesus, into Christ. So it's not a once-all, is it? You come forward and you accept Christ as your Savior, which is the greatest thing in the world. But the journey has just begun. Amen? And so we're, we're on that journey. And so probably for 30 years of that 40-year journey, maybe 30 to 25, has really been um, busy with ministry and um, bivocational, doing my business, raising a family, ministry, business, ministry, business. That's been my life. And, and it's been a good perspective. The one good thing about that is being able to relate with... Um, you. Can anybody say amen? amen? To relate with the daily lives that we go through, the struggles, the issues. And so God has really been faithful to us. Let me just tell you this really quick that one of the things that's been exciting is God's been, God's been having me in Joel lately. And I just want to encourage you that I do believe that the next for PF and the next for a lot of you is really going to be a good season. God's really been speaking to me again about the power of the anointing. Amen. Amen. New grain, new wine, new oil. When you get a chance, go into Joel. Talking about God restoring the years of that the locusts have eaten, the chewing locusts, the things that have been stolen from us. Do you know that God is a God of restoration? Yeah. He always restores as long as we're faithful in this journey. So, be encouraged in that. Um, I do think that 
the, the next is not going to be like the previous. You know, it's amazing. We all say that we want to go to where God wants us to go to. He takes us from glory to glory, the Bible says. But to do that, you have to change. Amen. And I have to change. This is a process, and we're talking about the transformed life. The one thing that is a constant in this walk, in this journey, is that you and I need to change. Amen? Whether you've been at it for 40 years, for four months, for 50 years, for four years, it should be a place of you seeking God and asking Him to change you, right? But the bottom line is, if we were to be honest, we, we, we probably at times have seen probably too many Christians, and we probably can say that we've all been a part of that, where we've gone through seasons where we've, we've kind of been in a rut. You ever been there before? Am I preaching to anybody? Where you get stuck, it seems like you're stagnant, it seems like you're stale, it seems like the ceiling is brass, it seems like nothing is moving, it seems like... You're not growing. It seems like faith is at a standstill. It seems like you can barely breathe, right? So listen, I, I know we all had seasons, but in saying that, there should be this process of transformation that God is working in us and through us. Amen? Amen. So I really want to get into Romans 12 today, which Rick mentioned this the other day, and I want to kind of dive into it. Go to Romans 12, and we're going to read. It's going to basically be 1 and 2, but I want to read a little bit past that. It's always good. Listen, whenever you're studying, and whenever you're studying the Word, it's always good to read a little before and a little after. Can anybody say amen? Yeah. Put things in proper context to see where it's coming from. And so um, i got a lot of Scripture to shoot at you today, so some of it I'll just give you. We won't be able to read all of it, but... The word is good. Let's pray. Father, I am really excited this morning to be able to open up your word. Not because of my thoughts or my opinions or my ideas. But we desire, God, for your word to change us, to rearrange us. As we get into this series of a transformed life. God, we're desiring that you transform us and change us to be more like you. So God, bring your anointing, bring truth, bring insight, bring revelation. God, I pray that you would speak clearly this morning, that your people would have ears to hear what the Spirit would say. God, and we give you praise and we give you glory. Everybody said... Amen. Let's read this and let's get into this. So most of you probably know this passage. By the way, kind of interesting, I got a chance to preach at my youth group after I had kind of moved on and my friend had taken over the youth group in, in Falconer. And this was, this was the passage I preached from. Kind of one of the first big preaching opportunities I have. So that was really interesting to think about. So let's read this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some translations say worship. Verse 2. And do not be what? 
to the pattern of this world, but be by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Let's read a couple of scriptures past. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, has God dealt to each one a measure of faith. As for as many members are one body, we heard about that today, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many, many one body in Christ and individual members of one another. So we see a pattern here of this process of a transformed life. Let me, um, so let me tell you where we're going today. So today we're going to focus on three things. If you want to take notes, if you want to hopefully get this down. Number one, we're going to find out how do we resist a temptation to conform to this world. Is that a real temptation? Yeah. Every day, you and I are confronted bombarded now with my gosh and we even have reports to tell us how much we're on it right sometimes we don't want to look at the report there is a temptation to conform to what the world says you should be and that's just the God's honest truth number two being transformed by the renewing of our mind today I want to focus in on the way that I believe the number one way to renew your mind is the Word of God. Can anybody say amen? amen? So we're going to talk about that. Number three, the result of understanding God's will for our lives. Is that not good? To find out the will of God for our lives? And we're going to talk about the three P's that you're going to get if you, if you get to that place. Let me give you a quote. This is actually from Jimmy Moss, but this is a great quote. Christianity is above all... Listen to this. A commission to change, a religion of change, and a pronouncement of change. It's change. Everything in this book is about God changing you and me to be more like him. Amen. Is that a not good way to sum this thing up? And I'm telling you, the temptation is always to resist change and to convince other people and to convince God why you don't need to be changed. And I'm here to tell you that God loves you enough to want to change you. But I thought God loves me the way I am. He does. Too much to leave you there. Listen to me. You, I love my daughter, Chloe, and she's now 17. I loved her when she was born. But when she's two, I hopefully she's at a different level than when she was two, two years old, right? I mean, or two months old. Then when she's, we, there's change that's happening in her life. And I expect change, right? We expect maturity. We expect Christians to grow up. I said, if you remember right, when this first thing hit, the pandemic, this, I said, what we will find out is how strong our foundation really is. 
I said, you will discover where your foundation is at and how strong it is and how much your trust is in the world and how much your trust is on the rock, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so that's where we're going to go today. You know, you, there was a butterfly up there, right? My mother-in-law is here with us today. You know that my mother-in-law lives next to us, which has been a wonderful thing. Um, and my kids have, have been at her house at times as much as our house. But one of the cool things that um, she always did, specifically she started this tradition with Sophie, was they would go out, when was it, the spring? And they would search for milkweed, and they'd search for these little microscopic, right? You know what I'm talking about, little green tiny things. And she would make this, and it always grew, right? She'd make this whole, what was it? Aquarium. And she'd stick these milkweed, and you couldn't even see these little specks. And she would, and Sophie would help her when she was little, and then Chloe, and then Ella. And they'd do this every year, and they would watch this amazing transformation into that. Now, can I just tell you that that transformation is enough for me to say there's a God. Hello. I'm looking at this speck and I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me that this thing is going to turn into that someday. And I have hundreds of pictures of the butterflies being let loose, right? And watching them in their chrysalis and watching them grow. And it was this whole process of excitement, right? And it's really a good analogy of what Christ does in us, right? That we start out with this little minute baby Christian that really knows nothing. I will never forget when I first got saved. And, you know, that was back in the days when we went to um, Sunday school. And I really was a, a, a real Christian, ungodly little heathen. And I knew nothing about the things of God. And going to Sunday school class and thinking, oh God, please don't call on me. I don't know anything. I don't know Saul. I don't know Paul. I don't know Peter. I don't know Mark. I, don't, I barely even knew what Jesus was or who he, right? I was just a baby. And I remember, but I learned a lot, but I remember being so scared, right? of them calling on me and because the Sunday school teacher would do that and ask questions. And thank God, I think he saw in me, right? Just that pure fear. Yeah. It's really amazing. Can I just tell you something? Just by the way, those that want to be in leadership usually aren't supposed to be in leadership. Those that tell God and run from God why they can't do what they've been called of God, usually are the ones that are supposed to do it. Just a side note. Yeah. You study it sometime, right? Every single one of them told God why they weren't, couldn't do what he said they were going to do. Right? Yeah. So just know that. So metamorphosis is kind of this process. Let's talk about that. Metamorphosis for an insect or an amphibium is this. The process of transformation from an immature form to an adult form. 
Isn't that what we want to become, adults someday? In two or more distinct stages, a change of the form or nature of a thing or a person into completely different one. Now watch this. By natural or supernatural means. How many of you know that you are in a metamorphosis process? God is evolving you and changing you and hopefully growing you up in Christ. You know, it's not good to be a toddler forever. How many of you like the toddler stage? I'm telling you, you have to pray for me. I, I, I loved my kids. Lately, I have so little tolerance for toddlers. And I'm just being honest with you. Don't hate me. But when I go to pools and when I travel lately and I tell Chris, I'm like, oh, my gosh, was that? Did we, did we really do those things? Right? When you watch, I'll never forget this recently. Let me just say this story and vent to you. I watched this, this child. I have other names for him that's fleshly. As he came to the pool every day and he tortured his mother. But here's the amazing thing. She allowed him to torture her. He, he dictated her and told her what to do. And he would throw the thing in the pool and say, go get it, mommy. Okay, honey. And here I am. I'm watching this thing unfold. Now, listen, we weren't perfect parents, AJ. But if that would have been my child, oh boy, that would not be happening on my watch. And we would watch this thing unfold, and we would watch this lack of, of discipline and teaching. I'm like, what is happening? What is happening is that there is a time to grow up. Don't get me wrong. I know kids are kids sometimes. I get that. And we need to have leeway. We need to have patience. But at the same time... How many know there is nothing worse, there's nothing worse than seeing somebody who is still a toddler that should be mature in the things of Christ, Amen. that should be able to handle the, the things that God wants to do in their life, that they should be eating meat, but they're still on milk. On. Does that make sense? Yeah. And God is wanting to grow them up to be what he's called them to be. And so... You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, what? All things have become new. This scripture teaches us that in a moment, our spirit man becomes new. Do you agree, that, agree with that doctrine? Okay. But how many know you still have a soul and a mind that is messed up? Amen. We're all messed up. Isn't that good to come in church and actually be able to confess? The Bible says, confess your sins. We should all come up to each other and say, let me tell you what. I'm messed up. You're messed up. And let's get help. Right? But this thing needs to be transformed, needs to be changed, needs to be renewed, needs to be tweaked, needs to be worked on. Amen? And so... Many times we miss this. We're like, but I thought I was a new creation in Christ. I thought I was born again. I thought that old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new, that my sins are as far as the east is from the west. Right? And that is all true doctrinally. But your mind and your soul 
needs help. Here's the good news. That there is help that God wants to give us every single day. Amen. And so what I want to talk to you about is, is how does this happen? Let's break it down. Let's go to um, this word conform. I don't know if you got that whole definition. If you did, great. If not, I'm going to give it to you. Conform. Here's, here's the definition. It's either to mean scheme or schematic. It refers to conforming oneself to the outer fashion or outward appearance, accommodating oneself to a model or a pattern. Even apparent or superficial conformity to the present world system or any accommodation of its ways would be fatal to the Christian life. Oh boy. The outer fashion or the appearance or the model or the pattern. Listen to these couple of scriptures and I'll get into this. The same word is found in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 15. It says, Obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust as you are in ignorance, but he who called you is holy. You also be holy in your conduct because it is written, Be holy for I am holy. James 1, 27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and Father is to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted or unblemished from the world. I am so thankful, even in the midst of the religious overtones that I went through of my foundation of my Methodist background. It was, my, it was a holiness background. And for me, for what I came out of, right? Drugs, rock and roll, perversion. I needed some holiness. Can anybody say amen? amen? And man, I'm telling you, they also knew how to disciple. I had some men that grabbed hold of me by the nap of my neck and said, we're going to get you through this thing. We're going to read the word of God. You're not going to use the Lord's name, Lord's name in vain any longer. And then back in those days, every one of your secular albums got torched. I wish I had a couple of them now. Just a couple. They did. No secular music, no swearing, no this, no bad. You know, there was, and listen, out of that, there was some things that was probably not really great. But at the end of the day, I want to tell you something. The good part about that whole movement in the Methodist Church and the Wesleys was the understanding of the separation of be holy as I am holy. Right. The separation of understanding that that the world's going to want to conform you into their pattern. It wants to blend you in. Last I knew that I'm the salt. You're the salt. Right. In the earth. We are supposed to love. We are supposed to care. We are supposed to reach out. We are supposed to be able to speak to, to anybody at any time, but at the same time, we are called to be holy. Amen. And if you don't believe that can happen, then you need to follow Jesus' life, how he hung out with and how he talked with the sinners, and he was still holy and set apart. Does that make sense? Yes. Let me throw this out there, and please... 
Please hear my heart before you get angry with me. Um, and, and understand at least my background. So it's interesting. Now our kids went to public school. And we, we knew all sorts of, we knew people that were homeschooled, public schooled, Christian school, and the whole vast background. Um, they went through the public school system. And in the midst of that, there was some not so good stuff. Can anybody say amen? amen. Matter of fact, I remember Sophie going through a very difficult stage and me working with her as to peer pressure and ungodliness and the things that she was seeing and hearing and it was hurtful and, and how to get her to navigate that course. And I have to tell you that I do believe it's not getting any better. Amen. Is anybody here this morning? If you think government is for you in the church, you are sadly mistaken today. And I'm not going to get too much into politics. But by the way, just let me say this, church. Politics have come to your shore. Did you hear me? That's all I'm going to say. Politics have come to the church's shore. I know a church right now that we were a part of the network in San Jose, California. Today is the first time they get to open up their doors in 12 months. You tell me government is for that church. This church loved their politicians, loved their neighborhood, was in good relationship with them, with with all sorts, they, they, they believed in that. I'm not saying they shouldn't have done that. But let me tell you what. When the going got tough, they all abandoned the church. They all ran for the hills. And they were still shut down. They didn't stand up for them. They didn't try to help them. You think the government loves the church? Now listen to me. Thank God there's godly people in the government. Can anybody say amen? And we need to pray for godly people. We need to ask godly people to be there. And they're praying and they're believing. And we need to pray for them. We even got to pray for those that aren't godly. How many know I'm talking about? And that ain't so easy now, is it? But we're commanded to do that. But my point being is, can you imagine we ever would have come to the place in the United States of America that the government would tell a church, you can't open up for 12 months? Never would I have believed I would have saw that in a million years. The church better rise up. Can anybody say amen? amen? We better rise up. But my point to you is this. In the world system, I want, this is free of charge. And once again, I'm not judging anybody. And we'll do something this morning to, to talk about this. As far as public schools, as far as, and here's another one. Let me tell you what, secular colleges don't like Christians. They despise them. They want to conform them to their thinking, to their liberal ways. So let me give you a word of caution. All you seniors and you senior parents, if they are going to a secular college, Please sit them down and let them know what they're in for at least. Yeah. Now, am I telling you they shouldn't go? I would never tell a parent that in a million years. Never would I say that. 
because I'm not God. And there's many Christians that are sent to every college we could ever imagine to infiltrate, to change, to, to help out. And every college campus has Christians that are on fire, right? And they're meeting and they're praying and they're believing. So don't, get, don't, don't misinterpret this. But at the same time, let me tell you what. I lived on a secular campus. And it is brutal. And if you're not prepared mentally and spiritually, you will get your butt kicked. Can anybody say amen? We have to equip them and let them know that, listen, the enemy can't stand you. And we are losing that demographic. Do you understand that? We're not winning in that area. We are losing. From 18 to 20 to 21 to 22, we lose them every single year. Those that were a part of the church and they never come home again. Now, are we believing they're going to come home again? Of course we are. Are we praying? Of course we are. But I'm just telling you that age group we need to be very careful of because those are the years where they form a lot of things. Let me, so this morning, do me a favor. Now, I understand this, and one, my daughter's one of them, and your daughter. We have some kids that are in college right now that aren't here. But do me a favor. If you're between the ages of 18 and 25, stand up. 18 and 25, stand up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Hmm. Thank you. What's that? We have to, we have to equip them. Can anybody say amen? amen? And tell them that the world wants to destroy their lives. And I'm just telling you that God, I believe, wants to really bring insight and wisdom in that area for us to hopefully rescue that generation and that, and that age group and that demographic to come alive again. Let me tell you one of the things that I've so enjoyed with my daughters at Liberty. Chloe's going to Liberty. I'm telling you, when you go down and you see that demographic of kids and you watch them go to Convo and you watch them go to worship and you see thousands of young people and we've gone to Elam before and, and, and seen young kids and teenagers that are running to the altars and worshiping God and praising God. Let me tell you what, you have hope again. Can anybody say amen? So don't misinterpret me. This guy has more hope for that generation than anybody. But yet I'm not so blinded to know that this is not an issue for us. And it's an issue of us just assuming that the world's not going to take them out, that the world's not going to come after them, that the devil's not going to pluck them out when they're out from underneath our covering. Does that make sense? We want to see them make it. So Colossians 2a says, I want you to hear this. This was, a, this was miraculous for me. So I was at JCC. I had a horrible time. I went to Fredonia. Somehow, you've heard the story before. I, I got my life back straight. I took a class from a, this called Bible is Literature, from a agnostic 
He hated God. He came out the first day in class and said, if there's any of you crazy born-again Christians in this class, don't you come up to me after and tell me I got to be born again. Because I don't believe that stuff. And we're reading this thing as a piece of literature, in literature only. And I wasn't right with Christ when he said that, but I still didn't like him. I wanted to knock him out. I had enough sense to know, boy, you are treading on some bad ground. Wouldn't it be nice back in the day where, like Moses, just take him down, suck him up in the vastness. But let me tell you something about reading the word again. It gets you. I read the word. I got my life straight. But I will never forget this. I was taking philosophy at Fredonia because I had to. And in my devotions one morning, this is the power of the word. In my devotions one morning, God told me to memorize Colossians 2.8. It says, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world, not according to Christ. And I thought, why am I memorizing? Now watch this, AJ. So I go to philosophy class, and the professor, who was very intelligent and very elegant and very educated and very good at what she did, she began to orchestrate and weave the non-existence of God in her teaching. And she was good. And my mind began to bend, and, and I'm like, man, maybe she's right, and maybe this whole Christian thing that I'm back into again isn't it. And maybe I've been, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, that verse comes to me, Amen. and it pops up, and I begin to quote it, and I'm thinking, don't you, no, you're not, devil, you're not getting me with this crazy philosophy. Can anybody say amen? Amen. That's how important the Word of God is in our life. Because you don't know what, what the strategy of the enemy is going to be next. I'll never forget this. This was when I was young and bold and stupid. I got in more trouble in Fredonia than I ever could know. I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. You know what I'm talking about. I do remember, I, do remember, uh, I knew somebody that had a, had a class, and they were having a a new age uh, person come in to do readings into this class at Fredonia State University. And it was invite, and everybody was invited to come. And she told me about it. And I said, do you really want me to go? Because I'm going to say something. And she thought, this is going to be exciting. Please come, Jeff. <laughs> the new ager, the prophetic guy, Maybe it's going to be like Old Testament, right? We'll get up and we'll have a battle, like Baal and Elijah. And of course, once again, I was young and full of pride. I loved God, but there was some pride in there. Anyways, long and short of it, she does come in. And it did anger me. Once again, you want to talk about picking off this generation? She was so strategic at what she did. She did this little teaching and then she began to do her little readings, right? And she began to suck people in and she began to speak little things and all of a sudden before you knew it, you seen them being sucked into this vortex, right? And being led into this wrong direction. And after the class, I stopped her. 
And I said, ma'am, I love you. But what you just did today was very offensive to me. What do you mean? I said, well, let me tell you what I mean. That I know you think you're doing right, but what you did was from the devil and from the pit of hell. And she became angry. And it got a little hot. And then I went to the professor and I said, are you the one that invited her to come into this class? Well, yes, I did. I believe in, I said, so let me ask you a question. Are you going to invite a Christian to come into your class and to talk about how God can talk to them in the prophetic and how God can reveal their future and their purpose the right way? Well, no, sir, I don't believe in that. And I said, well, can I have a, can I have a private meeting with you? And they said, yes. So for two hours, a professor that was much more educated than me, and I never got my way, but at least I had the chance to speak my truth to him. Amen? Amen. And to say why I believe what I believed. See, one of the things I have to tell you, that at least I've done a lot of things that have not been so good and so perfect. But can I tell you that I've never been ashamed from day one of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've never been ashamed of serving God. Can anybody say amen? Please, you don't have to be offensive. You don't have to be annoying. You don't have to be obnoxious. But please don't be ashamed of what you believe in. Let me give you this. We need to get through this. This is so important. Number two, renewing your mind. Let's talk about this really quick. Be transformed by renewing your mind. This word is Anna, or again, or Kanos new. The word suggests a renovation, a restoration, a transformation, and a change. A change of heart and life. It indicates a complete change for the better adjustment of one's morals and spiritual vision. Here it stresses the work of the Holy Spirit in transforming the life. Remember what the first commandment of the God said. Love the Lord your God with what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to give you some scriptures to write down. Then I'm going to go to the meat of this so we can get through this. When you get a chance, I want you to go to Colossians 1, 21 through 23. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 talks about setting your mind on things above, not on this world. Romans 8, 5 through 11 powerful passage about walking in the spirit and not in the flesh and how to accomplish that and how to work that out. But let me give you one of the most powerful truths as far as transforming your mind. A couple of scriptures. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is what? Living and powerful or active and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor is my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If you get a chance, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 4 through 5, it talks about all scripture is given by inspiration, inspiration of God, Profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness. 
I know that's a lot. Listen, the last one, 2 Timothy 3, 16, all the way through, read through fourth, um, chapter 4, verse 5. Finally, 2 Chronicles 10, 3 through 5 talks about the battle of the mind, right? In battling. So that passage about the Word of God being like a sword. See, you have to understand something that your emotions, your mind, your thinking is not always correct. Can anybody say amen? And the Word comes and the Word slices through what we think is right and what we think is wrong. The Word reproofs us and corrects us and changes us to be what He desires us to be. So this thing that says, I'm okay, I don't have to change, is not true. Transformation, the renewing of the mind, the understanding that when every thought when, when ungodly thoughts hit your mind and when, when the enemy begins to bombard, do you remember the helmet of salvation and what it represents of guarding my mind in Christ Jesus and, and beginning to quote the word when it begins to come after you? You have to, with the word of God, go against those things. Does that make sense? Finally, through the renewing of your mind, Finally, the greatest result is going to be transformation. Is going to be understanding God's perfect will for your life. I have a sermon that was one of my favorite sermons I ever preached. And I called it the three P's. That when you're in the... Per Listen to this and I'll end on this. When you're in the perfect will of God, when, when God teaches you not to be conformed with the pattern of this world, how to be transformed, how to daily Allow the Word of God to wash over you, to change you, to challenge you, to, re, re, to instruct you, right? You begin to come to the place where you understand what God's will and purpose is for your life. And when you're in the will of God, there's many things that happen, but I said these three things that were prevalent. Number one, you have peace. When you're in the will of God, there is peace. Even if all hell is breaking loose against you, you will have peace that passes understanding. Do you hear me? Number two, protection. Please grab hold of this. Somebody needs to hear this. When you're in God's will, there is divine protection from Him. When you and I, and please love me for this, when you and I choose to step away or step out of the will of God, we are now vulnerable. We are vulnerable to the wiles, to the attacks of the enemy. In the will of God, there is divine protection. Does that make sense? Finally, there's provision. When you follow God, He provides your every need. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added. This is what I want to do. I want to pray a little bit today. And I know that we got kids church. And I know so if some of you have to grab kids, I understand. But do me a favor. Don't be too disruptive. Because I do believe that God wants to 
do a few things this morning. So first of all, close your eyes. Let's allow, God, I'm asking you for this word of transformation to really, really sink in that you would, God, cause us to be Christians that are transformed into your likeness. There's so many more scriptures I could have given. There's so many more examples. But I pray those that were brought out today that you would use them. Father, that we would, in this next season, understand your will for our lives, for the church, for where we're going, for what you want us to do. So Holy Spirit, we give you a few moments to do your work. I want to pray for a a few of you today or as many as want. First of all, as we're praying, I want to give this opportunity. I'll never forget the day that this was asked of me. That if I want a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are here today and you've never ever invited Jesus Christ to be your Savior, this transformation that we've been talking about, the first step is this, is to ask Him to be your Lord and Savior, to surrender everything to Him. If you've never done that today, would you raise your hands really quick? I want to pray for you. I promise you I won't embarrass you. I won't belittle you. It's the greatest decision you could ever, ever make. Amen. Secondly, how many of you are sick of the enemy winning the battles over your mind? I want you to raise your hands. Father, I break the power of the enemy from bombarding spewing lies, deceit, condemnation on your people. And as they raise their hands to you, we break the power of the enemy over their mind. God, teach them to renew their mind daily. Teach them the word of God like never before. Teach them to fight against the enemy of their soul. Let the word of God come alive inside of them. Let righteous Holy Ghost anointing rise up inside of them and say, I'm not going to allow my mind to be captive to these thoughts, to these ways, to this ungodliness any longer. So Father, We proclaim over them the helmet of salvation. We proclaim that they are in a process of being transformed, of going from glory to glory. I do break condemnation over their lives. And I speak hope, and I speak healing, and I speak life. Finally, and I'm going to ask those of you, and you don't have to get too close if you don't want to, God was very clear to me on this. If anybody here today is in need of healing, I want you to be bold and to come up front. Like I said, I'm not going to necessarily lay hands on you. I'll be respectful. It can be physical healing. 
It can be emotional healing. Whatever class you want to put it in. Come on, be bold. I know that you're here today. We're just going to believe that God's divine healing is going to touch you. Jesus said that by his stripes, you are healed. Do you know that? And so, Father, today, I'm asking you in faith, as these people have come up in obedience, that whatever the need is, for some it's physical, and I break the power of sickness in Jesus' name. Come on, I want you to pray with me. We break sickness from touching God's people, and we pray divine healing virtue to flow in them and through them. Father, for those that are needing emotional healing, that they've been deeply wounded and it seems like those wounds don't ever get any better, we're asking you today that you would heal the brokenhearted. You would bind up the wounds today like only you can, God. Today, God, release a peace that passes understanding for all the years that the locusts have come and taken and stolen and robbed, for the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give life and to give it more abundantly. What's your name? What is it? Renee. So Renee, you needed a word from God today. Here's the word for you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And loneliness has been your best friend. And there is coming a season where loneliness will be far from you. Far from you. And the words that have dug deep inside of you that seemingly are clamoring in your ears. I'm putting a new word in your heart. Do you hear me? A word of hope. A word of love. You will love you. You will no longer hate you, but you will love you. For you're God's gift and God's creation. So there's going to come this peace. I see just like this whole swirling daily chaos and it's all falling amen and there's coming peace that passes understanding so father we minister your word to her word of hope a word of life a word of truth gotta break the lies of the enemy off of her life every word curse that was ever spoken is broken today and now the word of life and hope and goodness and strength comes to you. Father, I pray the word to be your foundation. I pray prayer to be a joy. God, that she would find vision and purpose in her life once again. God, ignite a fire inside of her. Let her know the height and the depth of the love of God. Father, we just we baptize her in your love.
surround her this day. Father, we thank you. We praise you. God, we glorify you. God, we just pray for peace, hope, care. What's going on, brother? Father, we pray for his left leg. We pray for complete healing and restoration in his body. God, do a work. God, do a work inside of him, not just physically, but I pray spiritually today there would be an overhaul, a renew, strength. God, thank you for vision and purpose and dreams coming alive again inside of him. God, we thank you for a new anointing upon his life. God, minister to him today. Strength, strength, strength. God, we pray for Jen today. We just pray a wave. Can I lay hands on you? Father, I command the attacks of the enemy to remove off this mind. Deception to go. Truth to come. In Jesus' name. God, move supernaturally. Move supernaturally in her and her family. God, I speak the word of the Lord over her family. The hand of God to be upon them in the fear and the anxiety and the worry to be gone. Trust in the Heavenly Father to walk with her and through her and to undergird. God, we pray that in this next season that there would be confidence like never before in knowing that you're in charge. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your power today. God, we thank you for your goodness, for your healing, for your love, for your virtue. God, we seal these words, God, over your people. In Jesus' name. God, you are a good God. You are faithful. And the word of the Lord is faithfulness all the days of your life. God, watch over her and keep her. Surround her with your love today. Father, today we seal what you've done. We seal the word of the Lord. God, we pray for this transformation process in our lives. We pray that we would be faithful to obey you every single day. This whole series that's coming forth from different preachers, God, use it to change us and to become what you want us to be. I pray these things in Jesus' name. I love you. Have a wonderful, blessed day, guys.